0: The Copywriter Club podcast is sponsored by Air Story, the writing platform for professional writers who want to get more done in half the time. Learn more at airstory.co forward slash club.
1: What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work. That's what Rob and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast.
0: You're invited to join the club for episode 88 as we chat with paid traffic expert Rick Mulready about Facebook advertising and what copywriters need to know about making it work, how he's built his own business empire, what's working and what's not working in launches today, and the importance of teaming up with the right people to move your business forward. (music) Welcome, Rick. Hey,
1: Rick.
2: I am so honored to be here. Thanks for having me on. We're excited. Yeah. You guys just said episode number 88. Is that what you guys said? Yeah, Yeah.
0: 88. Can you believe it?
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I was like, I feel like you guys just started this. Like, it's, I mean, I know it's been going amazingly well, but are you doing like four a day or something like that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're going to pull in one every day. Yeah.
2: Congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: Thank you. And I know, Rick, we've worked together in the past and we've talked about bringing you on the show for a while. So now it's finally happening. And A good place to start is with your story, especially for people who aren't familiar with you yet. How did you end up running your (laughs) hire?
2: You use that (laughs) word. I just laughed at that word.
1: It's an awful (laughs) word.
2: (laughs) And just for everybody listening, before we got going here, Kira said, is there anything that you don't want to talk about? And I said, no, I'm an open book. And the thing of it is, is Kira knows a lot about me because we've worked together with writing copy. And so I said that and I'm like, ooh, wait, Kira knows a lot about me. And I'm saying, nothing's off the table here. So yeah, it's been a very cool journey. I mean, when I think about it, it's only been really not even four and a half years. It was January of 2014 when the business truly got started. I say truly because I left the corporate world in the fall of 2012. And I fumbled around for 15 months. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be an online entrepreneur. I had no idea really truly what that meant. And so I left the corporate world and I had money saved and thought I was gonna, you know, create this amazing business doing Facebook ads. And by the end of 2013, I was quickly running out of money because I really didn't know how to create my own business. And then I hired a coach, got support, got community in January of 2014. And that's when things really started to take off for me and get some structure in the business really. And over the past 4 four years, a little over 4 years now, I'm super, super grateful. I've seen hockey stick growth. We've been growing really quickly over the past years. And this year is looking no different. And I'm really excited about it. I, I think the lack of clarity of what I truly wanted to focus on in that first year where after I left the corporate world really hurt me. And it was that January of 2014 when I said, and working with a coach at that time, it was what am I truly going to, what am I going to sell here? What am I going to be known for, if you will? And I had that sort of imposter syndrome at that time. I was like, who am I to be teaching Facebook ads? I mean, at the time I'd spent 12, almost 13 years in the corporate world of online advertising. But I was like, who am I to be teaching Facebook ads? There's all these other amazing people out there. And when I kind of got over that and just embraced it and went for it at that point,
0: that's when things you know, really started to get some momentum at that time. So, Rick, you mentioned that when you started your business, you sort of knew what you wanted to do, but you had no idea about running a business. Like, we talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's something that a lot of copywriters run into in their businesses. Like, we've got this technical skill that we have, and we're pretty good at it, or we think we're good at it. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, why not do that for a living? But there's all this other stuff that we don't know in order to be successful. Yeah, exactly. So
2: I had decided about two and a half years before I actually left the corporate world what I was going to do. And I just said, you know what, I wasn't doing Facebook ads in the corporate world. But I was working with some of the biggest brands in the world on their campaigns. But also I was working for AOL. Working for Yahoo, working for Funny or Die. So I was working for some of the big brands in the world while I was there working with other huge brands. So obviously I understood the world of online business, but I wasn't doing Facebook ads at that point. So when I was like, you know what? I want to do something different. I want to create my own schedule. You know, the whole cliche, like I want to do my own thing. I want to create my own schedule. I want to serve the people that I want to serve. I decided, okay, you know, at that point I saw what was going on with Facebook. And because I have that online marketing background, I naturally gravitated towards the advertising side of Facebook. So that's when I dove in and everything and I started teaching myself and started running Facebook ads and everything like that. And I was like, yeah, I can do this. But then when I left the corporate world, it was like, holy cow, you lose the structure. You lose, quote unquote, that security, which is a falsehood. Like, okay, I know I can do this. I know how to do this, meaning Facebook ads. I know the skill. But then it's like, how do I get clients? How do I create offers that they want to purchase? All that type of stuff. That's the stuff that I didn't have a grasp on. And I'd only known it from the corporate side and with these big brands and what they were doing. But then, you know, bringing it down to what I could be doing to create my own business, I was like very lost. And so it was that 15 months or so after I left where, like I said, I fumbled around and just really tried to find my way. And I started out with Facebook ads during those 15 months. Then I kind of stepped back and was like, well, maybe I'll do all of social media and (laughs) teach all of social media. And then it wasn't like I mentioned before until I went sort of back in and focused on Facebook ads and started to say, okay, you know what? This is how I'm going to leverage Facebook ads in order to build my business and get really focused on what I can offer people and how I can help them.
1: You mentioned structure a couple of times that, you know, the change in January 2014 was Mm. coaching and structure and maybe a couple other ingredients. What did that structure look like early on and why was that so helpful for you?
2: First of all, I remember I left the corporate world on a Friday and I remember getting up on that Monday morning, (laughs) not knowing what to do with myself. I was like, wait a minute, I normally go into an office right now and I don't have to do that right now. So I was lost. And it was the fall. So we're getting into the holiday time at that. So it didn't really hit me, honestly, until January. So it took me a few months, honestly, for things because the holidays had died down at that point. And I was kind of getting into the reality of like, all right, I need to create structure for myself in order to build this business. But again, because I didn't know what I was doing with building the business, the structure was all over the place. And I mean, I just sort of dove in and I started to... You know, when I was working, I would try to structure my day when I'm most fresh. Like I'm a morning person. I'm not an evening person or a night person, and so that's kind of when I tended to do my work. Even when I was in the corporate world, I was doing my work before in the morning, and I would also do some in the evening as well, but primarily in the morning. And I'll be honest with you, Kira, that structure it's still a work in progress after all this time. So four and a half years later, here. I'm still figuring out and it's just fluid for me like what works best for me as far as blocking time and you know now what I'm doing in the business again I'm always experimenting to see what works best for me but I'm finding right now that where I, if I have days like specific days of the week for certain things like, so for example, Tuesdays and Thursdays are the days where I do interviews or meetings or calls or whatever. And then I look to leave the other days, Monday, Wednesday and Friday open for big blocks of time for content creation and stuff like that. But that's something I've played with for a while now and. Also, with that structure of early morning stuff for me, because that's my, I like to call magic time, that's where you know, my brain's turned on and I'm freshest at that time. And I try to structure my day around that. And so I try to get the most important things done in the morning time up until around lunchish, somewhere around there. And then I'll take a break and then you know, I'll come back to work in the afternoon. And something honestly that, if I'm being truly, truly honest about this, something I've struggled with is I used to work way too late into the evening. And that really affected a lot of things. Like I wasn't truly working on, quote unquote, the right things. And so it affected my health. It affected my demeanor. You know, it was hard on Amy, my wife. And just, you know, that has really shifted and something I had to be aware of very quickly. But that was a couple of years ago where that was a real challenge for me. It's not so
0: much anymore. But, you know, like I mentioned, it's always a work in progress for me. Before we jump into all of our questions about Facebook, Rick, I'm curious about your business today. How are you spending your time in addition to hosting two podcasts? Do you work with clients? Are you building programs? Like, What is it that you're doing on a daily basis to bring in money?
2: Yeah. So in the past six months, we've rolled out some new things. And for 2018, for me, this is all about a few different things. Number one, building the team. A lot of people are surprised to learn that for... For the last 4 years, pretty much it's been me and one other person on a day-to-day basis. And then I have contractors that do other things. But finally, I'm growing the team. And we now have 3 people day-to-day. So that's been a big focus for me as far as where I'm focusing my time and building out the team so that I can pull away and ensure that I'm only working on the things that I should be working on from a content perspective or sales or creating content like podcasts and so forth. But as far as selling goes, so I have my three programs, my three online programs. One of them is for Facebook ad managers. So it's called FB ad manager. And that teaches ad managers how to create a business, managing Facebook ads for other businesses. So that teaches the business side and also the Facebook ad side. Then I have my flagship program, which is the very first one that I created. It was called FB Advantage. And that's for online businesses. So people who have online businesses teaches you how to use Facebook ads to automate leads and sales. So then I have FB Advantage Local, which is the same sort of program, but for local businesses, teaching local businesses how to use Facebook ads. In addition to that, I rolled out a 12-month group coaching program. Because people are, you know, constantly wanting to work more closely with me. And it's like, okay, how do I leverage my time to be able to do that? Because I love that type of closer connection, high level coaching. So I have the accelerator group coaching program. And then also as we're recording this right now, I'm literally rolling out in the next week and a half a new membership program that talks all about so it's kind of two part number 1 it's what are the latest updates to Facebook that people running Facebook ads need to know about because it's those changes it's those updates that if they're not up on that then their Facebook ads can suffer and quite possibly run into issues with policy and so forth so that is a big aspect of it. I do kind of a state of the union. I'm going to do a state of the union on Facebook ads each and every month. And then also the second part of that is going to be a Facebook ads sales funnel template. So this is going to be a plug and play template where I give you the template of the month, basically break it down, show you every aspect of the funnel. It's like paint by numbers. You can take it and put it right into your business. So that's something that people have been asking me about this type of membership for about a year and a half now. And we're finally getting to it. So I'm really, really excited about that program and the group coaching program, in addition to the other programs. And finally, finally, as Kira knows, we have a new website rolling out (laughs) probably in the next seven days, honestly. Oh, really? Great. Yep. You didn't know that. (laughs) That's finally rolling out. And then once that's rolled out, we're just going to make it easier for people to get their hands on these programs because I get a lot of feedback from people they are like, hey, I went to your site and you know, enrollment is open and closed on the courses. And so we're going to make it easier for people to get into those programs that they want at the right time for them because I hear that feedback a lot. They're like, hey, I want to get into this program, but notice it was closed. So we're working on a lot of stuff.
1: So I made a note to ask you how in the heck you're juggling all of this, but... <laughs> Before we do that, you mentioned the State of the Union on Facebook advertising. Can you share a State of the Union with the copywriters, especially like what do copywriters need to be aware of, especially since we have so many that write Facebook ad copy or work on launches? What do we need to know?
2: Well, I'd say the big thing for copywriters is really being aware of ad policy and just making sure that you're up on the latest Facebook ads policies, because if you're not... And you're writing copy and you know you're working for a client and it's against policy, you're gonna run into problems there. By the way, the link there is facebook.com forward slash policies forward slash ads. And a big tip there is don't review it and then say, okay, cool, I'm good with that, and then wait six months to go back and review it. I mean, Facebook updates that on a consistent basis. And so, you know, that is something that you definitely wanna be up on as policy because when you're writing copy, you know, you have to be careful with things like calling out personal attributes or you want to make sure you're staying on the positive side. You want to be careful with using words like you because you can't make it seem like you're... Again, it's that whole personal attribute thing. You can't say something like, are you looking to lose weight? Because you're insinuating and (laughs) I don't make these rules, but, (laughs) but Facebook does. Sounds pretty weird. But in Facebook's eyes, you're insinuating that that person needs to lose weight. And that's a negative experience. And you got to be really careful with that. You know, as a copywriter, think about it from the perspective of how can I portray that we are adding value? I Meaning we and the client that you're working with that you're adding value to the Facebook audience because at all costs, the whole thing that Facebook is trying to do here is protect the user experience because they know that even though their revenue is coming from advertisers. That's not their customer. Their customer is Facebook user base because without the user base, there's no advertisers. So if you approach it from, number one, knowing policy, number two, how do you have that conversation in a way that's positive and transformational for the person reading it If you approach it like that, you're going to be in good shape. That's the biggest thing from a state of the union, from a copywriter's perspective to really be aware of. Outside of that, there's all kinds of ad units and opportunities that you can be doing. You know, as far as like, I don't know, like a, an Insta story video, you know, that's a 15 second video. So how can you help your client, for example, come up with like some really good copy within like to get across what you want to get across in 15 seconds? And that's an art, you know, and I know everybody listening to this is you guys are all great copywriters. So that is something that, you know, being concise there for me, that's hard <laughs> because I am not a copy person and my brain thinks like, well, I got to explain all this, you know, but how do you really boil it down into clear, concise, like within 15 seconds? For, that's just one example of the different types of ad units and opportunities that exist with Facebook that when you're writing copy or working with a client, you
0: can think about. That InstaStory space seems like a really good opportunity for a couple of people to jump in and own right away. Because I don't know if anybody's really doing that. It is.
2: We did it in... When was the first time we did that? I think we did that in October of last year, October, November last year. And just a little bit, just to test it out. And it was great. It was our second best performing ad unit. It worked really, really well. And I just did one the other day, just recorded one that's going to start, I think tomorrow actually... That is as simple because the reason that it's so good, number one, just like you just said, it's not being used a whole lot. So you have an opportunity there to kind of get in there and do your thing and stand out. But the thing you want to be thinking about that, and I know we're going to talk about this throughout when we get into ads and stuff like that, but just make sure that when you do something like that, that you are staying native to the platform, meaning like you want to create an ad in that example there, like for Insta story for video. What types of video, what types of things are people sharing in their Insta stories? And so your ad should reflect that feeling. And so, for example, people love when I... I don't really understand why, but they love when I do Insta stories, like when I'm walking to get a smoothie or whatever. (laughs) And for me, it's just like, I don't know why anyone would care to watch me do this or talk about this, but people like it, which makes me happy. I had one person reach out and they're like, I love your, I don't know what you say. I love your walk videos or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> You've got a good one. And walk. so you might have to try <laughs> something. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the type of thing where like, okay, if I'm doing that on a regular basis, I could do an ad like that. I could do a video ad like that where I'm just walking down the street because that's the type of content that you might normally see within that environment. So making sure that you're creating content that's native to whatever, you know, wherever you're posting.
0: Okay. So I know we've got some people in our group who are Facebook experts and they do this really well, but I think the vast majority of us don't know what in the heck we're doing. In fact, we maybe have never even opened up Facebook ads. And so Rick, what do we need to do to get started? Walk us through the basics. Yeah. The very first thing that you need to do.
2: And as copywriters, you guys get this. So it's just basically transferring your knowledge over to doing this with Facebook. And the first thing you had to do is understand who your target audience is. Who are you serving and what problem are you solving for them? And also understanding the target audience from a holistic level. So what I mean by that is I always use the example of like a yoga studio or somebody in the yoga niche. So. Obviously, I'm probably going to be targeting women between a certain age range, right? Who have an interest in yoga. Boom, that's one target audience. But what types of things are they also interested in? What publications are they reading? Where do they shop? You know, what type of clothing do they purchase? What types of TV shows or movies do they watch? Or what types of associations or whatever that might they be interested in? So within the yoga niche, I have, you know, women between a certain age range who have an interest in yoga. Well, maybe they also. Have an interest in Lululemon because they purchase clothes there, or Lorna Jane, or maybe they read the Yoga Journal magazine, or maybe they shop at Whole Foods, or something like that. That's what I mean by thinking about it from a holistic level. So it's kind of understanding who your exact target audience is, but then taking a step back and thinking about it on a holistic level to think about all the different areas and opportunities. That you could not only target, but you could speak to. That's really, really important when it comes to Facebook ads from a targeting perspective. So number one, really having a clear understanding of who that target audience is and how you're serving them. So what I mean by that is like, all right, what problem are you solving for them? What are they looking for? And how can you uniquely help them? So those are the first couple of things. And then The next thing I would say is what does that offer look like? And when I say offer, I don't necessarily mean that you're selling to them. I mean, this could be just a free download or a free checklist, or maybe it's a discount code or free sample, whatever that is. That's what I mean by offer. Once you understand your target audience and the challenges they have and how you're able to help them, then you can determine what you want to create to attract them to your business. So That's the foundational stuff, you know, the target audience, understanding what their challenges are, and then the offer. Do you want to get into like setting up your ads at that point, kind of step one, or where do you want to take that? We could go all kinds of places, right? (laughs) That's why I stopped. Yeah.
1: Let's go into the actual writing the copy because we're writing it for clients mostly. So, have you noticed any trends recently? with all of the ads that you see as far as what copy is converting like long, short stories. I mean, I know, again, you see a ton of ads and they're diverse, but what works in general?
2: Well, you know, I'm going to say you just got to test. You got to test. Right. Everyone always wants to know like, does long form work better or short form? And I'm going to say yes. Like you just got to test it. In general, though, the longer, the bigger the commitment that you want someone to take, meaning, do you want them to show up at a webinar? Do you want them to show up at an event? What's the level of commitment that you're asking them to take? In general, the longer copy is going to work better because they're going to need some more information there. And also in general, again, I'm like making air quotes like you can see me doing this right (laughs) now. In general, longer copy for cold traffic, meaning people who don't necessarily know... Who the business is, but well, on the other side of that, short copy works really well too. I'd say the biggest thing to be thinking about, and again, this kind of goes back to the conversation we we're having about Insta Story videos and making sure that your ad is native to that platform. When it comes to copy and writing copy for the ads, thinking about what type of platform Facebook is and what are people on there to do? They're on there to share with their friends and family and share updates and photos and videos and so forth. So. Be thinking about your copy in that way. And what I mean by that is be conversational. Everyone always asks me like in my programs and people who listen to the podcast and stuff, it's like, how do I do copy? How do I write Facebook ad copy? And the biggest piece of advice, and Carrie, you and I have talked about this a lot, is that what does it look like for you to sit down? What would it be like if you're sitting down with your ideal customer for coffee? And you're just sharing with them about your offer, whatever that offer is. What does that conversation look like? And that's what your ad copy should reflect. Very conversational. Because people on Facebook are really smart and their ad antenna is up at all times. And so the more conversational that you can be, the more fun you can be, while also conveying whatever it is that you're trying to get across, that's what works really well on Facebook. So using, throwing in some emojis or like the little explosion Is that an emoji? I have this conversation with Amy Porterfield all the time. It is. I think it's the boom emoji.
0: (laughs) The boom emoji.
2: Okay, cool. You know, including fun things like that in your copy, like not overdoing it. But again, it's because of the types of posts that people put on Facebook that you want your ad copy to reflect. And again, if it doesn't make sense to put it in, don't force it. But think about it from a conversational standpoint and what does that conversation look like where it's fun and playful in getting your point across about the offer. I mean, you're looking to make that connection with the person. And one of the best things that you can do is you want people to read and say, yes, like that's for me or, "Ooh, I can see myself in that and I can see what the benefit of whatever the offer is for me. So I want to click and learn more. So think about it from a conversational perspective. And going back to the long and short copy, you just got to test both. You know, We've run, I mean, like 1,200 word ads. It's like a long blog post. Kira, I think one thing we did one time is we took one of your emails that you wrote for us. And it was so good that we put that into an ad. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, it was a long one. And it worked great. And that's just a perfect example of like, look, as long as you are being conversational, getting the point across, talking about the offer and how it benefits that person, test different things there. I think what we did with that one there is we posted it on our page with no image and no video. It was just the post there and we turned that into an ad. So it was just
0: content and it worked really well. So Rick, do you have advice about using visuals to go along with a copy and maybe even more particularly words on the visuals or how that all comes together?
2: Yes. So think about the images or the videos from a, how can we convey the offer and what we're saying in the copy in a metaphorical sense? So here's what I mean by that. I'll use a, like an example of we're actually working on this right now. So lots of people have challenges around, okay, my Facebook ads are running. Now, what do I do? Like, What do all these stats mean? How do I make decisions on what I'm seeing in Ads Manager? My ads are running and I see these stats, but I have no idea what they mean. How do I optimize? You know, What do I kill? What do I add money to? All this other stuff. So I created this PDF. It's a 60-second Facebook ads diagnosis checklist. And so we're playing off the word diagnosis. So we're creating images right now. One is like a doctor and he's got his stethoscope up to a monitor, a computer monitor with an image of like ads manager on the monitor. And so that's a metaphor. Like someone can look at that and also quickly look at the headline and go, Oh, okay. I get what that is. I know what they're talking about here. And it's in a fun, playful way. So the, the image is a metaphorical comparison, if you will, or a reference to what we're saying in the copy and with the headline there. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, it does.
1: (laughs) I was just going to say, what would make that better is if you, Rick, are dressed up as the doctor in that ad.
2: There you go. (laughs) So my team told me that. And I think that's coming next.
1: Good. Perfect. Great.
2: (laughs) Yes, that is coming. You know, another one is for that exact same diagnosis checklist. We're doing an image of like a detective, like Sherlock Holmes style detective, where he's got like a magnifying glass, you know, looking up at the monitor, trying to figure out like what these stats mean. So, just thinking about it from the perspective of like a metaphorical, someone can look at the image, get it's fun, it's playful, it, they get what you're offering there. And the other opportunity is more like what you're talking about, Kier, is like <laughs> be in the pictures, you know, have yourself in those pictures. Again, it goes back to what types of things are people sharing on Facebook? It's more in the personal stuff. So, you can be in those images, and I think it'd be fun to be in a lab coat with a stethoscope and stuff like that. I think we're gonna have to do that now. But yeah, I mean, don't overthink the image, but you want to make sure that you're catching their attention. And we have to remember that people are scrolling through that news feed really quickly. So the image needs to catch their attention and get them to stop scrolling so that they want to learn more. And Robbie mentioned, like, do you put copy in the image there? You can. But, and you absolutely should test that. But the less that you can make it look like an ad, the better. Because again, you know, people are really smart on Facebook. Their wall is up, you know, when it comes to advertising. So the less that you can make it look like an ad, the better.
1: Awesome. Okay. So we're talking a lot about actually working on the ads for clients. And I want to talk about how to use Facebook advertising to market our own businesses. So, you know, you've worked with different copywriters, you Mm -hmm. know what's happening in our space. What would you do if you were a copywriter to stand out using Facebook?
2: It's a great question. And to prepare for this conversation, I've been thinking a lot about this. And this is something where, I mean, you can go a lot of different ways. I would definitely be doing video because as a copywriter, you know, we live in this virtual world here, this, you know, online world, I want to be able to connect with that copywriter. And I want to be able to hear from them and learn more about them and just be able to have that connection with them to even know if it's a possibility to work with them. And so I think video is a great opportunity to do that. Now, the next question on that, like, what are we talking about video? I would say if you can be positioning yourself as the go-to copywriter, you're doing a really good job. And I mean that by adding value. So you're giving people, as just one example off the top of my head here, you're giving people ideas for how to write better copy themselves. Now, that might seem counterintuitive. You're like, well, wait, like I want them to hire me. Why do I want to help them write better copy? Because let's face it here. (laughs) like I am not a good copywriter. I try it. I mean, I'm okay, but it takes me forever. And it's not something that I enjoy. I would much rather hire it out. So If I see somebody, a copywriter, giving me value, like here are 3 tips to write a better email or something like that, that's going to be helpful to me. And it's also going to position them in my mind as the person who is the go-to for copywriting. And so who am I going to think about when I want to hire somebody to write copy? I'm going to think of that person. So if you could be providing value to position yourself as the go-to... I think it's a smart way to leverage Facebook and you can do that in different ways. Like I said, you could be doing that in video. You can be giving away cheat sheets or checklists, like, you know, top five things that your ad copy needs to contain or email or your landing page or sale, whatever that might be. So be giving that content away. Like, and again, it's counterintuitive, but when it comes down to it, I think so many people would much rather hire that work out. Because that's what you specialize in. And that's what your thing is. You're going to do way better job than I'm going to do. And so again, going back to if you're positioning yourself, and I'm seeing that, I'm like, wow, that's really, really helpful. And I want to learn more about working with that person. That's what's going to allow me and push me to get in touch and, and take the next step there.
1: Okay, cool. And so, I also want to ask you about launching because, as you shared, the programs that you've created in 2018, you're running a lot of programs. You're launching often.
0: Yeah.
1: What is working well and what's not working in 2018? Because we have a lot of copywriters who specialize in launches.
2: I think this is the whole zigging when I, or is it zagging? Whenever everybody's zigging, what is it? It's, it's whatever zigging. the other ones aren't doing, it's right? Bugging. <laughs> 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 as long as you're zugging when everybody else is right. zigzagging. So people, especially in the online world that we work within in this space, people know about launches and stuff like that. And they know what's going on. They know that they're going to get a bunch of copy. They're going to see from people a lot in a short amount of time and then you know, be offered something. If you can approach it from just really giving good value during the launch and make it so that when people see that value and get that value, they're like, wait, I can't imagine what the paid product is or the paid service is, and the value that I'm going to get there. Perfect example. And I'm pretty sure Kira, that you wrote this email was a lead up email, for example, that we used last year once people registered for the webinar I was doing for my ad manager program. And in that email... I shared, number one, what Facebook Pixel Helper is. It's a Chrome extension that's totally free. I explained what it is and also how ad managers can use it to get business. And that was just an email leading up to the webinar. I had countless people tell me that was one of the best emails that they'd ever gotten in a launch sequence because it was so actionable and it made them think exactly what I just mentioned. They were like, whoa... I got clients from this. This was totally free. I can't imagine what the paid program is about and what the value that he's going to offer in that program. So you, if you could be thinking about it, that it's not just you know sort of a rah rah type of thing in the launch. It's really providing true value, and thinking about it from the perspective of understanding what the target audience is challenged with and what they really need, and providing that for them. And getting them really excited about whatever the launch vehicle is, whether it's a webinar or a challenge or video series or whatever that is, approaching it like that is one thing that will make you stand out from the whole zigzag thing. The other thing, you know, and we've always done webinar launches. We did one video series launch and I did not enjoy that one bit. Not gonna do that again. But you know, from a webinar perspective, this is another thing that people are everybody's done webinars for a long time. And so people know when they come onto a webinar, they're gonna get, you know, pitch something. An offer is gonna be made to them, whatever that offer looks like. I think the more upfront and dishonest with people, be transparent about what it is that you're gonna do. Like, look, like I'm gonna be giving you X, Y, and Z so that you can take a lot away from this and go implement in your business. But I'm also going to make this offer to take things to the next level, blah, blah, blah. I would say be upfront with them and be thinking about different ways to... Again, I'm just using a webinar as an example, because that's what we've done in our business. How can the webinar look different than what everybody else is doing out there? And right now, I'm talking about the actual webinar. But in addition, what I was talking about before, it is what is the overall experience like? from a copy perspective and getting people excited and adding value and so forth. So that's really how I'm thinking about launches very differently. The other thing that I think that I see things shifting here in 2018 is, you know, evergreen opportunities in addition to or in place of live launches. You know, we used to do evergreen with a beginner's Facebook ads course a couple of years ago, We're going to be bringing that back, but we've always done live launches. And you know, Kira, you and I have talked a lot about this. There's a lot that goes into these live launches, and it's kind of like all or nothing, right? So what happens if you're relying on that launch and things don't go well? I'm also thinking about it from the perspective of, I want to make sure that... And it's another reason why I have so many different types of offers now... I want to make sure that I am providing my audience what they need when they need it, because they all have different needs. Some people want courses. Some people want coaching, you know, that sort of thing. So be thinking about it from that perspective is how can you be providing here in 2018, whatever service or offer that you are putting out there
0: to your target audience when they need it and making it available to them at that time? Okay, so let's say you know we've figured out our audience. We know the message we want to go out with. We're, we've got a launch coming up and we've never been in the Facebook ad manager system at all. I know that this is easily an eight-hour conversation. What do you do when you get in there? But <laughs> how do I get started? What do I right. do so that I'm getting started on the right foot? I'm not going to mess anything up and regret you know, that I've got to go do something over. Like, what are the first steps? Just get me started. Okay, well, the easiest thing that you can do is
2: you could simply create a post on your page with whatever offer that you are making, but be clear about what the strategy is there. So I'm like, all right, look, we have an offer. We're going to test this. And then that offer could be whatever. Maybe it's a checklist download or whatever, just a PDF download. Let's keep it really simple. So we have that. We put the post together and we put it on our Facebook page. And then people who have heard me talk (laughs) before, they're going to be like, Rick, what are you talking about? You're talking about boosting a post. Because I've been against it for a very long time. And I'm still against it for different types of reasons. But how I'm going to talk about it right now is this is the simplest way to get started. So you create this post on your page and you simply boost it, meaning like you put a few dollars behind it to your Facebook fans only. And you just spend a few dollars to do that and you test it out because your Facebook fans are going to be the most engaged on your content. And it's going to be the cheapest cost that you'll see very, very likely. And so that's a great way for you to test out whether that offer that you're making and the ad that you've put together there is going to resonate with audiences. And so it's kind of like your first step in like, all right, I'm going to put this in front of my fans who should be the most engaged. Let's see how this does. And you'll know, you'll have a barometer right there. You'll know really quickly whether that's going to be working and be effective and be an offer that people want or not. So I would say that's a very easiest way to do it. Now, we're not even getting into like the pixel and tracking conversions and all the other <laughs> stuff. That's another <laughs> whole we'll other conversation. Right. The other strategy that I'm absolutely loving, and this is something that is nothing new, honestly, but doing a Facebook Live. So doing a Facebook Live, that gets you in front of the camera, like we were talking about before, to do video. And using that Facebook Live to talk about whatever that offer is so use that facebook live to add value so you're teaching something and then in that live video you're pushing people to whatever that download is or whatever they call the action that you want them to take that's on your page so that facebook live number one facebook loves video so it's going to get higher priority in the news feed the second part of it is facebook loves facebook live even more because now you're creating video with their tool on their platform And so that is going to help with engagement and reach in the newsfeed. Then if you put a few dollars behind it to amplify it, meaning just you want more people to see it, Facebook really loves that now. So they love video. They love it when you do Facebook Live and they love when you give them some money to ensure that that Facebook Live video is being seen by more people that's a great way for you to be able to test getting that offer in front of your audience there. And you can do this for very, very inexpensive. I mean, we're talking like $10 or something like that to get it in front of your Facebook fans. Now, again, there's all kinds of different things that you do want to be thinking about there. For example, and probably most simply is you want to make sure that you have a landing page. If you're going to be sending people to download something, you want to make sure that you have a landing page that where you're sending people so let's just say we're doing our facebook live we have our link there we have our call to action then we're sending people over to the landing page to download whatever the offer is and so that's super super high level but those are the types of things that are the easiest to get started with and to test out you know whether people really want what you're offering
1: All right. I have two questions. One is a selfish question for us. So we do Facebook lives in our Facebook community and our group. Should we be doing those on our page instead of the group or just rotate and do Facebook lives in both?
2: So what's the purpose of it? Like, is it part of the group?
1: Yeah. Value add and also promotional.
2: Promotional for what?
1: Launching a program.
2: Gotcha. Okay. So you can't share from the group out to your page, but you can share from your page to your group. Okay. So what you can do is you can do that live video on your page. And then just as you start, share it into your group. That's going to help with engagement. And that's going to help like the overall, quote unquote, health of the ad, where if you get a lot of engagement there because it's your group, that's going to help with reach on your page. And, you know, more people are going to see it.
1: Awesome. Okay. And the other question is, you know, you've been really great at building relationships with other thought leaders who have become your friends. And so my question is, why is that really important? And how can copywriters do that? I'm not saying like, how can we make friends? But how can we figure out how to turn these friendships into something that really is a value add for both parties?
2: I can go in different directions here, because this is something that I was thinking about also coming into this conversation. Like how I met you, Kira, was you came to speak at a workshop that I attended. Mm-hmm. Ashlyn, isn't it Carter? One of your yep. one of people in your. So I met Ashlyn at Amy Porterfield's event in December, I think it was mm-hmm. four months ago or something like that. And she came up and introduced herself. And so, like, I think I'd heard of her or something like that. I don't remember exactly, but she came up and introduced herself. And so, because I met her at an event like that, that makes a connection for me. And so, you know, now I follow her on Instagram and stuff like that you know, we do some work with Shanty. And I don't remember how I met Shanti. That's terrible. But, you know, it's the power of these live events. And whether it's a conference or a workshop or whatever it might be, that I think is invaluable. Because me meeting you, Kira, at that workshop a couple of years ago, like that was the start of our working together. Yeah. And like I said before, you really want to be able to connect with that person. And because it's like, man, when you're writing copy for someone, like that's a very personal thing. Kira, you know more about me than most most people (laughs) in this space, you know? And I'm totally cool with that. And that makes the copy that you've written so much better because of that. So I just think that getting out there and even if it's getting in these Facebook groups, and I don't mean like in addition to a copywriter's Facebook group, but, you know, getting into other Facebook groups where your target audience is hanging out. And just being a resource there. This is such a, as you guys well know, we're all spread out here in this big internet space, but it is a very small world. And once word gets out, everyone is always asking each other, who do you know? Like, you know, always, always looking for recommendations. And... I'm always very careful about giving suggestions out because what's happened in the past is I give suggestions out and then that person gets too busy to work with me (laughs) originally. So word travels really quickly. And so as soon as you start making those, you know, good connections and obviously doing good work, then like, I think you can blow up really, really quickly. So it's just a matter of, I think, like I said, those live connections in the conferences and hanging out, in Facebook groups where your target audience is and being a source of value and adding value and being helpful there. And again, it just comes down to making those connections and positioning yourself as the go-to. And going back here to what you said about like how I have met other people and so forth, just as an example, like so Amy Porterfield is one of my very best friends. And I first met her when I was in the corporate world. I had clients down here in San Diego. I was living in LA. I just reached out to her. I was like, I just introduced myself and told her that I was gonna be in the area, like I admired her work, all this other stuff. Would she be up for meeting for a quick coffee? And she reluctantly agreed. (laughs) And she said something about like 20 minutes or something. Well, that turned into two hours. You know, obviously we've grown our relationship ever since. But I just think that's what it's about is just reaching out, introducing yourself. You know, I didn't have any necessarily any value to add Amy at that time. Other than I was just being myself, like, and I wasn't looking for anything. I wasn't asking for any help or anything like that. I was just legitimately trying to establish a relationship. So, you know, I've had copywriters reach out just cold via email and say, you know, I'd like to write something for you, which I think is cool. I think it's a good approach. I just think it's always better if you can do it. If it comes from some sort of referral, it's like some sort of, you know, somebody saying, Hey, you know, I'm working with this person. I think they might be able to help you out or something like something like that.
1: Okay. I think what ties it together is showing up, right? Showing up in person to build those intimate connections that you can't necessarily build over email.
0: Yeah, we're big on relationships. I mean, it's changed our businesses. I mean, it created our partnership. And I just think it's the most important thing, and maybe even more important than copywriting skill itself, as far as if you want to be successful in business, you've got to have relationships. Yep. And whether you call it networking or friendshipping or whatever, relationships are the key to everything. Yep, exactly.
1: All right. So Rick, we're out of time. Where can our listeners find you if they want to look up your programs or get in touch?
2: Yeah, two places. My website, which hopefully when this comes out, the new one will be up, rickmulready.com. And then my podcast, which we do talk about copywriting on, Kira, you've been a guest on there, is The Art of Paid Traffic. And we're on all the platforms, iTunes and Spotify and iHeartRadio
0: and Stitcher and wherever podcasts are listened to, The Art of Paid Traffic is there. And it's a good one. We recommend it. So yeah, thank you so much, Rick, for sharing all the great stuff that you've done. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Rick.
0: Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate that. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club Podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, Visit the We'll see you next episode.